0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing amazing. Thank you. How are you, Neil? Fantastic. And I just love a love story. And I love people that are in the same industry meeting together in the most different uh, opportunistic way. But again, this is we're going to be talking about their movie, our almost completely true love story with Mariette Hartley and Jerry Schroka. How are you guys? And thanks for stopping by. Oh,
1: stopping by. Well, we got a call, so we stopped by. by. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Just around the block. <laughs>
2: yeah, I
0: wish. Well, I got to play it like that, you know, because never know. Someday we we'll might we'll meet in LA. I guarantee it. But that's me already manifesting things. But let's talk as, really quickly about this. How? Why did you take your love story and decide you wanted it to be a movie? What was who? Whose idea was it?
3: Oh, I think it was both of ours. It was uh, a, did you want to talk first?
0: No,
1: you talk (laughs) first and then I'll correct you.
3: Well I had already written my own book before actually I'd I'd met Jared and um, it was an exciting experience. I mean we, we met that way, right, you and I? Oh, yes no. we met
0: we met oh, we did a radio interview when you were when your your book came out
3: but that was here that was in los angeles
0: yeah uh, yeah you were calling me it was a phoner yes
3: oh,
0: oh,
3: oh. um i don't know my life has been it once one writes about one's life once one kind of puts it out there um opens our lives to other people which i would never have thought of doing uh, years and years ago um and i you know i was in a place that was say i'd not been work well I, I had been working but not not in an exciting way the way, the way i really loved to work and um and I don't, and there was not a lot of work around uh, when, when we started writing this. Um, but when. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when we, when we met, it, it really is a true story.
1: Um, when we met is when we began. Careful, I already told him it was a lie. <laughs> the movie we didn't meet in a bird store i'm not talking about one. oh i see it's, yeah yeah um no but the
3: story itself is very very real very us and uh well it
1: is very autobiographical isn't it
3: yes it is that too um and we and we learned a lot of things about each other as we were writing this um but I don't know. It was a, it was an exciting adventure to do, it really was, and continues to be.
0: Um, okay, all right, Greg. What question do you have? I think Jerry you? wanted to say something. He was going to correct all something,
2: right? right? Is that right?
1: All of it. Um, all of, it, all of it. <laughs> No, I was just going to say that the the impetus. Getting back to the original question, was was um. I had written um. A film ten years ago about senior softball guys, because I play still. I'm still playing at 108. I'm still playing senior softball, and it came very close to getting done. We were putting pieces together, having never done this either. One of us always being on the other side of the camera, And, and like I said, it came very close. We had the director. We had we had Gary Marshall. I mean, we had big people involved and Don Scardino who directed the piece we're talking about. And then everything kind of just collapsed. And it was like, hmm, a couple of years went by. And I said, why don't we write something that we ourselves can finance. So we went ahead and took a second mortgage on our neighbor's home. They have yet to find out. And when they do, we're in trouble. And uh we took a second mortgage and raised them, you know, we had so we had this little little pocket of money. And now can we get our friends, uh especially the friends with names, to to be in this? And everybody said yes. From Don Scardino on down. It was just I had a little trouble with Mariette Hartley, but that passed. She wanted more money. Right. And I said,
3: that would be the day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So that was that was the impetus just just to hire our friends, which is always wonderful, and we've we've we had done that in the past with a couple of uh, of plays that I wrote, and then um, you didn't do that with your one woman show. You hired yourself.
3: I know, and nobody
1: else. <laughs> it's really really unnecessary. Anyway, It's still so true. What you didn't hire yourself? I hired other people,
3: including you. To do the voice voices in the background. Yeah,
1: I wanted to talk to you about that. Okay,
3: well you messed up. up. Yeah,
1: so that was that was the impetus to do it, simply to create something of our own, and we would have you know control over it, and we did. Wow,
2: that's a it's a long way from Godspell, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And from the Incredible Hulk. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Well, except no, it's 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 not. It's. Um, I had a wonderful experience doing the Hulk, surprisingly. I thought, what the heck is this, the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, me? (laughs) I I read it, and I fell in love with the story and uh, all the people involved, and it turned out to be a, a wonderful experience, really wonderful. Um I of course adored Bill Bixby. Um who didn't? Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, Ken John Kenny Johnson, who was who wrote it of course and produced it. Um it was a magical experience for me. Um I was nursing my daughter, uh not Jerry's daughter yet, um, and uh I, I didn't think that I would. Be able to do it uh, because I was really serious about it. And uh, um, Bill and Kenny said, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We will do anything for you to have you be in this." I thought, oh. you know, I was just a, I was just me, <laughs> and uh, it was a, it was an extraordinary experience really was
1: um, you know she jokes about it uh winning winning an Emmy for it but I had never seen it because I didn't watch those things hmm. and then you know uh, so you know she said <laughs> let's <laughs> so I watched it I was I, I, I was knocked out I I I said why do you why do you she jokes about it a lot you know that great line of yours you went to bed with uh little Bixby. Woke up. Woke Luke, up with Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno.
3: Yeah,
1: you <laughs> got an Emmy for it, but but boy, I was I had no idea how wonderful it was. And you know the pictures behind me are crooked. What? Oh, they are. <laughs> 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 how did this would that okay, help? Okay, That's good. Okay. <laughs> now the pictures look straight. You know. It just, oh,
2: that's just, great. Okay. And yeah, that was one of my favorite TV shows.
0: Uh, well, uh, me too, me yeah, too. Loved
2: it, loved it.
0: Especially a big guy like I am, Greg, at 6'10", 280 mm. plus pounds that I am. Uh, You're six ten. Yeah, I'm six ten. So yeah. <laughs> yeah <I will. laughs> assume I'll have to show you after. All right, so because I'm not, I'm, I'm not wearing pants. Just of
4: us. <laughs> 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 <makes laughs> <kilos. laughs> so Jerry.
0: Did you guys pass during your careers in Hollywood before meeting together? No, Never.
1: First time I saw her was a a dinner. Uh, in a Moroccan restaurant. Right. Uh, we had run on a slate of people for the SAG board. And we both got elected. Uh, I ran because I had been a member of the board in New York. And I thought. Vice president. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fourth national vice president, oh, but I'll sorry. talk to you sorry. anyway. I um, and uh, I thought I was going through a divorce and I thought, how how do I meet women? I don't I don't drink and uh, going to uh, I went to one bar with my friend Lloyd, who is the bird man, the bird store. He's my best friend. And uh, he took me to a bar and I thought, Oh my god, I can't I can't do it. It was a bar
3: like that. Smoky
1: and no, it was worse than that. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought I'll run for the board. At least I'll meet some actresses. You know, uh, older. And I saw her sitting across (laughs) the room, but I I wasn't about to confront her. After all, it was what's your name again, Marianne. After all, it was Marianne Hartley, and I knew who she was. And I had always been captivated by her, and my my dad and I would watch television, and the Polaroid commercials would come on, and my dad would turn to me and say, "Who is that? She's better than the show we're watching." <laughs> and that was a that was that was a few years ago. Thanks a lot. That's okay. <laughs> oh, um, so, well, I'll wait a, wait a minute. What was the question? You had a question. Who did I did?
4: No, no, so, so
0: I, I don't know if this is a joke or not, joking around. So I'll get the Marriott. Now, thinking about how they put it into more of the movie story where it's online, uh, that, that fits, uh, but it really, watching the trailer, it just gives you that cute, just wow, because it's a love story as romances go, because romance sells. Romance novels are one of the biggest sellers out there, right? So when you look at the story and you look at specifically that. You guys don't first connect that you're perfect for romance, right, Mariette? Especially in the, in the movie.
3: Oh, no. Right. It was like, who are you? <laughs> you know, I, <clears throat> I didn't. You know, no, the thing about me, I guess, is one of the things about me is that I love humor. I absolutely love it. And it's been so much a part of my life, as has the other stuff. But humor gets me every time. And I'll say. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true. I don't know what it is about it, but it's true. And it for me, um, who's had a kind of up and down life, uh humor picks me up every time. It just it just does. And with Jerry, who has such intelligent humor.
1: Thank you so much.
3: You're very welcome. Um, that it just he was it was wonderful to be with him and and to and to be picked up by his his humor he just he made me laugh almost well it, during the day it's 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 heavenly I mean what we do is laugh uh, unless yeah you know <laughs> Greg any uh,
0: what questions do you have. Any more for Jerry and Marriott? Well, I
2: got I get my two
0: favorite questions,
2: which I get to ask uh, each one of them, which I'm excited about, but I'll hold off until. Okay, then. so
0: lo- you want me to jump on another question? I would say that Jerry, looking now, looking at Marriott's career versus your career. Now, you're most well known for voice acting. Would you correct?
1: Cr- cr- uh, well, what, certainly, for- yeah.
0: But Godspell, explain that experience in and Godspell and that. I just am intrigued by it because I don't again, I was born in 1973. So I'm 50 years old. So I'm not at that. Uh I'll be 51 very soon. But uh let's let's talk about Godspell a little bit. Is that mostly what you're well known for in your acting career? Would be that?
1: I, I guess so. It's so long ago. Um, you know, the the old story about the out of work actor who Finally, I'm making rounds for a year, just handing out pictures to agents in New York because you could do that then. And uh, you knock on the door, you got your eight by 10 and and a made up resume. And the guy says, slide it under the door. (laughs) And I said, it's it's in a frame. (laughs) And he opened the door and eventually, after almost a year, he sent me on an audition. I didn't know what it was. And it was turned out to be Godspell. And Stephen Schwartz was there playing the piano for people. I didn't know I had to sing. It was mostly improv. And um, I, uh, I I, was really na- funny, nasty to him. He said, You're going to sing now. I said, Well, you should have told me that. I would have brought music. He said, You don't, I'll play Happy Birthday. I said, Is it your birthday? He said, No. I said, Well, then don't play it. Um, uh, and then I sang Happy Birthday, and then they made me do an improv, and it was the, uh, the Good Samaritan. Well, I didn't know the New Testament, so I didn't know what, he was talk- what they were talking about, and they explained it to me. And then I did it, and I did it as, uh, I remember I did uh, Nixon, who comes across this guy lying in a ditch. I did Nixon. I did Ed Sullivan. I did, and uh, I got it. And went to Boston uh, with the second company, wonderful company. And um, from there, eight months later, they were doing the film. And we all had heard about it. And the director came up, unbeknownst to us, watched a performance and cast me. And I was like, wow. Uh, And when when, left the show, went back to New York and and filmed it. And... When it was over, out of work again. Although I I was rehearsing a Broadway show at night, a musical which closed in Boston, thank goodness. And um, they said, "You want to go into New York and do Godspell?" I said, "Sure." So I did it in Boston and in New York, and um, that was it. It it was a a high point both in in working and it it was really a spiritual. Uh, spiritual experience for me um again knowing nothing about saint matthew i'm, I'm jewish and uh, i think we say that in the film about a couple of thousand times but um no one of my
3: ahead. favorite stories about you and, and the bible is that you, oh yeah. you were they <laughs> are yeah. having
1: a party go ahead we're having a party in one of a one of our hotel rooms up in boston and uh I'm sitting on the floor because you know there were twelve of us, I guess. And I pulled out, I pulled out the the New Testament, which is in every hotel room. And I start going through it, and I said, "Whoa, whoa, hey guys, this is the script. This <laughs> is what are you reading, Matthew? I said, uh, yeah." And they said, "You didn't know that." I said, "No, l- listen, this is the whole, this is the whole script." And John Michael Tablack is getting credit for this. Somebody wrote this a few years ago (laughs) and everybody thought I was kidding. And I wasn't.
0: Wow. Okay. So Greg has a question for both of you guys. So it's going to be two questions in one. I mean, two questions, same question. Go ahead, Greg, to at least let them know what the question is and each one of them will answer it.
2: So I'll I'll ask each one of you individually. Right. So that'll be more fun. So, so I'll start with you, Mariette. So, um, I always ask this question of every guest and I do it for two reasons. Number one is I believe that my greatest source of knowledge and growth is learning from other people. And I've always been that way since I was a kid and you guys have had a lot of experiences. Uh, and then two, I feel that hopefully the people that I'm, I'm hopefully will watch this will gain something as well. So here's the question. Um, so Mariette, what do you feel is the most important thing in life you've ever learned?
3: Go ahead. Humor. I don't don't think you can have a relationship without humor. Um, We certainly have proven that. Um, And it really does pick us up during odd times, you know. Um, And in a relationship, I also think the most important thing is paying attention to the other person. what that person really has to say listening 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 i mean that's one of the most important things in my work is just sitting and listening to people talk about their experiences and being honest about it um i guess
1: that's it
2: great thank you jerry i'll ask you the same question what what do you feel in life is the most important thing you've ever learned
1: that you should ask me another question. Come on, Chair. Huh? Well, l- l- uh, as you said, listening is... Uh, but the other thing is, as I get older, and um, is the, the friendships that developed over the years, and they become precious. Um, and uh, and family does, too. You've experienced oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that
3: a lot over yeah. this, this last year. Yes.
1: Um, as as bad as things are in the world, um, I'm I'm becoming very grateful for what we have, and and um, and to have the, these people around me. I can pick up the phone and and talk to them. And some of these go back quite a few years, and um, they become very very precious. Very precious. Excellent, yeah, they,
0: thank uh, you.
1: He doesn't say that lightly.
0: Yeah, and that's so so important. Your friendships, your connections, love as you show that romance to everyone, and uh, definitely work is the best p- place people can check out our almost completely true story. Where can they go?
1: Oh, uh, uh, Amazon. It's on Amazon uh, everywhere. Vimeo. Uh, uh, I I had the, li- the list. Uh, Vimeo, vo- vo- voodoo. Voodoo. That you um, You'll do so well. Vimeo, Amazon, um, Dish. Um, if you Google that, if you Google our almost completely true by the way, the original title was Our Almost com- our Almost Completely True Story. And the distributor, who we were, were so blessed to have, a company here in Santa Monica called Vision, they called and they said, You know, the title's kind of long. We're thinking one word. So, okay, we'll, we'll get back to you. I called my son, I called my daughter, we called her son. We need a one-word title for our movie. And we came up with like five of them. Oh, and, more than that. Well, five good ones. Oh, sorry. And we sent them along and they said, it's okay, we got it. I said, what is it? And they said, well, now it's our almost completely true love story. I said, so you added a word. <laughs> So okay, so that's that's what happened.
0: All right, well, excellent. We appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for stopping by. Great, great. It's fun watching you guys. It really, I, I, is.
3: Asked, I just mentioned one thing that I went to Carnegie Tech. You
0: know, oh, right which
3: there. is yeah,
0: yeah. Carnegie Mellon's where I started in radio. I di- I didn't go to Carnegie Mellon, but at WRCT Studios, eighty-eight point three, and there's so much. You know, a theater coming through CMU. I guess you're one of those one of those highlights of the of that group, right? For I, sure. Mm-hmm. I
3: guess so. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I haven't guess. been in touch with many people from from uh, Carnegie Tech, but um, it's a nice named. Will you stop it? Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it was it, that was a. That was an experience. Uh, awesome. I, but I, I, yeah, I was just thinking, you, uh, how did you, how did you pick your my ne- my name out of the out of the bowl, uh, and then realize, of course, it, did you know that? I mean, did you know that I went to Carnegie? No, School?
0: I didn't. That's something new. So I'm gonna have to look into that. Is that in Wikipedia?
3: I'm sure it is.
0: I'm sure. Yeah, I have to. will <laughs> check. Well, we appreciate it, Marriott. Thanks again. Thank you, Jerry. All right. That was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Guys, take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I can't wait to speak with
2: Mr. Rich Little. Yes, and look what Greg has, Rich. I have two beautiful signed books.
5: Great. Great. They make
2: great holiday gifts.
5: Yeah, people don't know about them, though. You know, it's the second printing; the first one was lost.
0: <laughs> uh, so you want? To, why was it? Lo- why was it lost? maybe we can talk that off the green room. So what's new with you, Rich? Give us an update.
5: Well, I'm uh, still at the Tropicana four nights a week, uh, uh, Sunday through Wednesday at six thirty, and I've been there for seven years. Wow. I think it's time I went home. I really do. I, um, <laughs> but I enjoy it. I really do. I'm I'm working on some Christmas material right now, you know. I thought of a Johnny Carson this morning. Ah, Johnny Carson? Ah, I can remember one Christmas morning. Uh, I came downstairs and you know what I found in, in our stockings?
0: <laughs> Brother. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. All right. So what, what we were talking about before. <laughs> I, I,
5: is- I won't do that now. No reaction.
0: No reaction on that one. I'm no. semi-reaction. So can us, um, what your newest one that's the big hit as an, impur- an impression right now? Oh,
5: oh, oh, oh but Joe Biden. Definitely. Oh, yeah. We
0: got to go Joe again. That's what we want. Oh, yeah. Let's have Let's Joe.
5: <laughs> Joe Biden. Hey, man, you chumps out there. My name is, um, is uh, uh, oh God, uh, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to Joe Biden. I'm the big guy, the head honcho, the jumbo jelly bean, the big cheese, head of the crime family, and proud of it. I want you to know that President Harris and myself are doing an outstanding job as president and mayor, uh, s- senator. Uh, First Lady, whatever it is, I'm doing the work right now of three people: Curly, Mo, and Larry. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was better than the stocking joke.
0: <laughs> no, no doubt. So that any other impressions that are hitting home for you? That was well, awesome. you
5: know, I, I do uh, Doctor Phil. You know, Doctor Phil. I know, I know that you, you know that I know. And if you knew that then, that, then we both would know if we knew it all, when we knew it, if if we knew it at all. No? That's
0: about right. <laughs> That's right, totally. So, Greg, what would you say, when I asked Rich Little, what you're thinking, like, like you know, you're drinking coffee or having a beer with him right now? Uh, you're oh, drinking- man, I would love to hear that story about
2: when you call Ronald Reagan
0: Oh my gosh, that's a
5: long story though. <laughs> uh that's a long story and I can't do the punchline.
2: Oh, okay.
5: No, it um uh, it doesn't work unless you can do the punchline and it's 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 a little it's a little naughty for uh for you people.
2: Okay. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but I I I did I did uh, phone up Betty Davis as Jimmy Stewart and I put her on and uh and she thought it was Jimmy Stewart. She was convinced it was Jimmy Stewart. And then I told Reagan about it, and, uh, and he got her on the phone, and she told him to, you, you know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> but but um, I never met Betty Davis, but I, I'm glad I never did because uh, she was not too pleased about that at all. And she went to uh, her grave uh not knowing she told the president of the united states to
4: uh,
5: off you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing so 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 greg i guess you can because you've read the book what have you liked most about the book i guess that one story but what have you gathered from reading oh it's just
2: so much it's just such a, a vast and deep life and experience um it, it's just amazing, you know, to enjoy that. I was. Well, I can you know,
5: remember that Reagan one time said to me, um, he said, Rich, you know, you do me better than I do. And as a matter of fact, you do me so well that I was thinking when I pass away, they should bury you. <laughs> That's what he said to me one time. I thought, oh, that was wow. hysterical. you know, he did some impressions for me one time, Reagan at the White House. He did Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne, and Truman Capote. Really? Yeah, and to hear the President of the United States do Truman Capote was hysterical.
2: How was his rendition? Huh? How was his rendition of him?
5: Well, he he did, my, my name is Truman Capote, and, you know, a lot of people think that I wrote in cold blood, but that's not true. Actually, I wrote in ink. And um, I gave that line to um, to Reagan, and he uh, said to me, oh, Rich, that's funny. I can't wait to do that in front of Gorbachev. <laughs> Could you imagine the president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, doing his Truman Capote for Gorbachev? I would have given a year's salary to see that. <laughs> and as Jimmy Stewart was fair, not great, but... Of course, I laughed, you know, I mean... Uh, but, Do you, uh, you think that's what I mean, led I mean,
2: to uh, disarmament? Yeah.
5: <laughs> Was this Truman Capote <laughs>
2: ending the Cold War?
5: <laughs> well, a lot of young people don't know who Truman Capote is. You know, that's that's the problem when you get old like me and you're doing all these impressions that I've been doing for 50 years. There's a lot of people in the audience who don't know who they are. You know, I mean it's it's a shame, but you know some people uh, don't know who Dean Martin is. You know, right. I have- the other day saying I enjoyed your show. I particularly liked your impression of the drunk. I said, what? The drunk? He, he met Dean Martin. He didn't know who he was. you know." Yeah. <laughs> and I had another kid one, one time, he was 15 years old, sitting in the front row, and he was laughing his head off all during my show. And I couldn't figure out why, because he wouldn't know anybody I'm doing. And then when the show was over, he said, Mr. Little, I thought you were hysterical. But I was confused, and I said, well, "What were you confused about?" He said, "Well, I just wondered as I sat there why you kept changing your voice."
0: <laughs> Same. So it's, just, it's 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 crazy. Now, Greg, what else were you are adding, letting us know about what else you liked about the book? About the book? No, Greg is Greg is because Greg oh, read it.
5: I loved everything
2: about the book because I, I grew up watching like Johnny Carson and all of these people, and you know knew what was going on. And I remember Rich you know, as a kid and and so on. So I, it was just super nostalgic for me. And uh, I'm at the uh, the tail end of the baby boom generation. So if you're anywhere in there, I 100% recommend picking up a copy of this book. And if you get it on Rich's website, you can get a signed copy. Uh, sure. And it does
0: make a great gift, so. Yeah,
5: yeah. Thank you for plugging it. That's great. Yeah, of
0: course. Absolutely. So last thing, Greg, is what was your another one of your favorite impressions that Rich has done? We already did Joe Biden, but we're not going to ask him the most important thing in life he ever learned because <laughs> that would not be that might be for another time as we have him as a regular guest oh, here. On I TV. would love to ask that question. Oh, to, to Joe Biden, Joe okay. Biden, okay, to President oh, Biden, on.
4: okay. Yeah, okay, let
2: go So, Rich, you remember? I we've talked a couple of times, and I always like to ask the most important thing in life you've ever learned, and you've told me from yourself a couple of times, but I would love to hear uh, me asking Joe Biden that question and. Having you answer for Joe Biden, the most important thing in life he's ever learned.
5: Okay. Uh, breathing. <laughs> uh what's the most important thing he's ever learned? Um, um mm, let me think. Um
3: uh,
5: if 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 it, if at first you don't succeed, lie, lie again.
0: That was awesome. That's just great. That's, that's, that's the perfect way to end the show. Greg, um, Rich, best place people can connect with you is definitely, you said where you perform in Vegas, but also other places where they can, what's the best place to connect with you?
5: Well, there's a couple of things that I did that you guys didn't laugh at, but that's okay. Don't come to my show, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Always oh, great to talk to you both, really. It's great. Have a great Christmas and a great new year. And boy, we need a better new year. I'll tell you that right now.
0: All right, yes, Rich. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. All right, that was a special uh, simulcast The Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews Live at the Grotto with Greg Hannon. Take care, guys. Okay. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and my guest today is Paul Hollis, author of the Hollowman series, now owner of of uh, Hollowman Publishing, and also he's the co-founder and owner of American May VA. Paul, how are you? I guess I'm the co-founder and co-owner of it too, as well as my website will be launching in about a week, relaunching uh, with all these information. But we did decide to create these two businesses for one reason. There's a tremendous need out there. First of all, American v- VA. Is and we'll go into further, it's all the team that does media giant marketing is from American Made VA. But I want to talk to you and I'm going to answer the same question myself. Why did we found this? Is I'm going to be going on the talk show circuit in 2024 doing podcasts. Uh, I'm already reached out to a few, but I'll be ready once everything's in place because of the power of podcasts and the power of relationships. But Paul, the first question is, why did you think there was a need hollow man publishing
6: well uh, what i see out there is is really um the the need for hollow man the need for actually publishing and at a fair price um and and getting things done for people and not just saying they're going to do it or or doing it half halfway let's say instead of uh, my usual terms but um just not doing things halfway but doing them the full extent of 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 satisfaction for the for the author um because that's the principle that we're working after uh, on here that not very many authors seem to be really really happy with their production of of um of their books and so that's what we want to do is we want to to make them happy and to get them out there tell their story Get the get get those um, books out there on the 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 um, uh, the, the, the distribution network, um, and 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 go from there.
0: I would say so, Sue, and I think that there was a need because of the cost involved to launch a book is so expensive, and we are cost effective in certain ways. But also, I think the fact is we turn it around quickly. A lot of these authors are waiting for their books to publish for months, for years, it seems like. I, I say years, but projects getting through, but also the fact is that they're not told the truth. They're told, hey, you publish with us, you're going to become rich beyond your wildest dreams, some of these people. And they also are not looking at ultimately the whole goal. The need for hollow man publishing, in my opinion, is that it's at least affordable enough that they can still have marketing. At least they understand their vision, mission, and vision. And that's so missing that there are so many people publishing for such an extraordinary amount of money. And yet they don't even have anything after that. They don't have money for marketing. They don't have money for coaching. They don't have money and distribution. They don't even understand the author's game. Right,
6: Paul? That's exactly right. And and, uh, and the, the author's game actually changes from, from week to week nowadays because uh, places like Amazon, Amazon and, and this the, the distribution networks have all changed their algorithms as to what's important for them and, and and how long that they it takes them to process now. It used to be a couple of days. and now as an example of, of Amazon distribution, it takes them weeks and sometimes months to to, uh, to, to get a, a, an author's book published and out there to the marketplace.
0: Totally. And there you go. And that's why I want to find people when they first write their book, even though we're republishing a lot of books. So republishing is one of the things we, I even hearing from Rich little he had to republish. And we're in conversation with his other celebrities, maybe to republish their book. And why are they
6: republishing it? What's happening with those other publishers? Well, uh, the reason that you'd want to republish is, is that that uh, your book has been around a while and it's not getting attention that, that, that you wanted as an author and uh, and you just want to put it back out into the public, uh, uh, refresh it a little bit, maybe put a little lipstick on it, whatever you want to do, and, and get it back out there in, into the public notice uh, and say, hey, look, this is I'm still around and this is a great book. Have at it right now. You can you can buy it. It's got it maybe a new cover, maybe not a new cover, but but maybe a new name, maybe not a new name. But but whatever you want to do with it as an author, do that and and it's kind of like a refresher. And then it's like, oh yeah, I remember this book now. And I meant to read it before. Now now I can read it.
0: All right. The next need is American May VA. And I'm gonna talk about why I did it. Is the situation is when you are so wanting to get things done quickly for a virtual assistant. And I saw a lot of times on early morning calls or late evening calls that I would explain things to my virtual assistant or to my overseas team. And what I found was a lack of communication. I found a lack of understanding in the pop culture world and the lack of understanding of understanding things. So that's why we co-founded american-made va but the missing component is if you're going for virtual assistance overseas if you're going to hire someone as a freelancer you do not have an expert involved and with me the media giant looking at everything and looking at that components we felt there is a need because most people are selling virtual assistants that are overseas and a lot of lack of project management and work not being delivered to the highest level right paul
6: yeah and and look i mean here here's the thing with with me is that when when i run out of time that's a serious problem because i i have all that's all i have on my hands is a lot of time but when i run out of time i need somebody else to help me do some of the things that are that are um, my everyday processing uh things that come up that are not natural for my for my uh uh, my thought process etc so so what we're what we're trying to do is just kind of backfill everyone's need to say oh let me just get rid of this off my desk here and, and give it to somebody who who actually can take care of it right away and and we're on the same we're on the same page we're on the same time zones sort of thing so we can get Fast interactions with with people and and uh, and get and with our VA assistants and get things done. Yeah, and the thing
0: is, we're also creating an SOP. You teach us. You teach us what your process is, and we'll train the VA, right, Paul?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not a it's not a, a an onerous thing. It's it's a, it's really a something that that's it's it, it takes five ten minutes train. 15 minutes to train us and then you've got you've got that skill at, in your back pocket as an author for the rest of your your time.
0: Author anyone looking for a virtual assistant American Made VA but the need I feel is the fact that of the lack of project management when it comes to hiring a virtual assistant.
6: Yeah, I mean you uh mostly if, if in, in let's say in, in other people's models in in other VA models it, is that you you don't have you don't have access specifically to a person that that you can you can interact with and all that it's sort of like a behind the scenes kind of a project management and we'll give you this person one day and we'll give you that person the next day but here, here we, we kind of stick with you and, and 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 we have that skill developed so why not just give it to the same person every time and you can just depend on them by name to say okay i want you i want you to do this and this and this for us
0: all right so we're having a special offer now that you can get on a call with the media giant and Paul Hollis to talk about if you're looking for a virtual assistant and this is the holiday process all the way till January 2nd, or you can get on a call with us to talk about publishing and there are some specials going on that we're not going to tell you yet, but we'll potentially tell you when it comes into the later into the holiday season. So the best thing is to DM either of us contact us today and we will be able to have a call with you, and we'll break down your social media, we'll break down your marketing, we'll break down everything, we'll break down your writing process, and we're offering that absolutely free—that free call. And the best thing is either go to Paul Hollis, the com or again NeilHaley.com. Appreciate it, Paul. Great stuff, and we'll talk soon.
6: Great. It's Always a pleasure. Thanks.
0: You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm excited to first welcome my co-host, Paul Hollis, author of the Hollow Man series and owner of many different companies. Paul, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest.
6: I am. We have, uh, again, uh, always a pleasure to see um, Deb Carver-Owen, and, and she's going to tell us about uh, a couple of her um, interesting characters from, from her science fiction trilogy today.
0: All right, Deb, thanks again for stopping by. Let's talk about, you know, uh, Rafe and Dane. Go into that a little bit.
7: Okay. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, Rafe and Dane start out as agents to a, um organization, an organization that um, goes all over, you know, to the different planets. Um, you know, if something comes up, they're the ones that'll go and check it out. But um, they don't, don't travel with ships. What they travel with is called a travel door. And there's uh, a uh, little little device in their wrist right there. And they bend their wrist back like this and they'll hear a click. And then on a uh, solid surface, like a wall or a tree or something, they'll see a door up here there. And they'll open the door and inside is a white hallway go down the white hallway open the other door and there's where they're going. there's the other planet like with Earth there was it was Earth thinking out behind it a big tree. And so these guys go down to Earth to find the module that they're looking for and um, during the process they start out just being agents. OK, they've gone through their training and it, they just start up being agents. When they get back to Bezor with um, Lisa, they end up the the uh, uh, general, the high general of Bezor ends up retiring. And what happens is, is Rafe is chosen as the high general and Dane is chosen as his. Uh, next in command. So what happens is Rafe is more the serious one, you know, and he plans things out and likes to get things done. And Dane is more the snappy comeback kind of guy. You know, he'll look in your face and say something dumb. You know, he'll look in your face, say something funny. You know, he's, that's that's who Dane is. And I I believe during the books, I've kept him pretty much in character. Uh, Dane being the, you know, the the funnier one, the comical one, and Rafe being the one in uh, charge and like that. But they do bring Lisa back up to Basor. And um, in the process, they find what they're looking for. So that's basically the idea of Rafe and dame
0: wow okay so and they- uh and that having that kind of relationships important right when you're writing these characters to have the, the- oh, yes
7: oh yes to have them interact with each other and to have their personalities come out like lisa's personality is uh um, a little bit like mine, I would imagine, but, you know, not completely. And um, she and Rafe, I'm giving a spoiler alert here. She and Rafe end up falling in love, of course. So it's a romantic science fiction with a little bit of romance. I, I don't go into detail. I'm not into that. Okay, so I don't go into detail. I just kind of allude to things, you know, which is better for me. But uh, anyway, yes, that's their their personalities come out and interact with each other, and some of them have bright personalities, of course, the bad guys have dark personalities, and, you know, their minds are pretty evil, so that's, but the, it's fun developing these characters. I had a lot of fun developing them.
4: Well, it
0: sounds like it, right, Paul? No, absolutely. As Paul's, uh, that so let's kind of go into what what is the ultimate goal for the series? What do you want people to learn from this series?
7: Um, I guess from the series, it would be that, yes, there are evil people out there. And yes, they do evil things, but they don't necessarily have to win. You know, and and these guys don't win. Even within each other, they don't win because there's one that is uh, like in various gift. There's there's a guy. There's a a, a duke that goes after Beria after her husband is assassinated because he wants to rule Melantis. But the guy that's the the major bad guy. He does away with them because he's in the way. So, you know, they don't even they don't even interact nicely with each other. So, you know, that's a typical bad guy stuff. But uh yeah, I I like like doing doing all that and getting them fleshed out. And sometimes I write it down, you know, so that I don't forget these things. But sometimes it just comes to mind and I get it down in the story before I forget it. I have a tendency to do that now and then.
6: Right. (laughs)
0: All right. Best place we can go is DebCarverOwens.com, right?
7: Yes, sir. Go there and uh, you can uh, comment on whatever. Fill out my contact form. Contact me. Tell me what you think of the website. Tell me what you think of the books you're reading. So uh, come on and, and fill out my contact form.
0: Appreciate it, Deb. Thanks again.
7: Thank you. You thanks. guys have a great, Merry Christmas.
0: You too. Thank you. You too. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show. My guest today is former raider and Viking, James Harris. James, thanks. Oh, there you go. And he's putting right up the book. From the playing fields to the feds, your book and James Harris, welcome back on the show. You have a lot to talk about. But you know, what about your feedback so far from your book, from all the people I've read? You got to be happy about that.
4: I'm very happy, man. The feedback has been real good. Uh, people that that have read it, they love it. Uh, they think it should be a movie, and they pass it on to other people and letting them know, man, this is a book that you should read. And everyone I've met with or talked with. Said it's a book that they put it down and cannot understand why they have to run back and pick it up.
0: And see, James, everybody I tell the story to in Hollywood so far, they're like, Really? No, you're kidding me. And so that's the kind of thing without giving away the book and reading it, but then it should be made in a movie, no doubt, because your story we talked about before is just unreal.
4: Yeah, it's a real story, but it's a real story, man. It's something I'm not proud of, but hey, I did it. I'm sorry. I didn't hurt anyone. I disappointed some, but I didn't hurt anyone. I hope, and if I did, I really apologize, because that wasn't my true intentions on hurting anyone. I was just um, in a business that I didn't know how to get out of.
0: How did you survive in prison? I guess, knowing people, like, how was that when you went to prison?
4: Well, where I grew up at, man, kind of prepare. I mean, kind of uh, prepare you for prison. You know, you got a lot of guys that go to jail from where you come from, and they kind of tell you how to jail, and they teach you how to jail. That's a shame that people teach you how to jail. And when I went to to federal penitentiary, I actually had the opportunity to relax. I didn't have to live up to this. Uh, of being a great person every day. I just wanted in. And that's not what I want. I don't want to just blend in. I want to be special all the time. And it got too easy in prison to blend in because it was no expectations on me. It was just, uh, I'm here. Um, I got to do what everybody else does. I didn't like that, but I had to deal with it. I'd rather have expectations on me and have to be responsible for people than not.
0: That's so true. And so you're saying that the survival was because of where you grew up.
4: And right. also, it's- but
0: then you, but again, everyone was always talking to you when you were after your career or before going to jail that, oh man, James, give me money here. Give me money here. You're a big star. You're big this, you're big that. No pressure when you're in jail. So what did you do in jail?
4: Well, I worked in the bakery. I made bread, I made breakfast, um, I made the cakes, I made donuts, and uh, I stayed out the way. I did what I was supposed to do to get, get in there and get out of there. It wasn't about nothing but doing my little time and getting back to my family, getting back to the things that I love to do, and becoming a respectable father to, the, to my family.
0: Totally. That's the key. So let's talk about, you know, um, what things will people be surprised without giving anything in the book, like stories. Do you talk about your story from growing up all the way to prison and after, do you put life after prison too in the book? No, that,
4: no, that's not in the book. Um, that's in the movie script. That's in the script in the book. It just, it um, when I get to prison,
0: Okay. So you're teasing them. You're yeah, teasing I them. A little bit.
4: Yeah. I, I don't want to get uh give the movie away. <laughs> and then get the, book,
0: so the book doesn't give the detail as the movie's gonna give about what you did to really make this happen, right? Right,
4: right, right. The 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 script gives yeah, it the book is in depth enough to take you where you want more. I had a guy from Wyoming said uh your book left me wanting more and um I told him I'm gonna give him more in the movie. He just wanted more. And then a the guy from uh Idaho of all places uh said to me this should be a, a theories so I told him I say well then you we have to lead that up to the studios <laughs> exactly
0: and it's just something unreal has anyone ever done what you've done without really giving that away what you did while playing in the NFL
4: well, I hope no one else did what I did while I was playing the NFL. I'm not proud of doing what I did while I was playing the NFL because it looks like I was being greedy. And I really wasn't being greedy because you got to understand, I was a free agent. I was a good player, but I was a free agent because I made a lot of mistakes along the way to get to the NFL. So the NFL actually gave me an opportunity. And I looked at the NFL as an opportunity to become something better. But the problem was I never changed My ways. I never changed what the things that I was doing. I only got good at uh, disguising them. And and I hope a young guy that's straddling the fence, thinking it's okay to straddle the fence, and read my book and find out it's not okay to straddle the fence. When you get a great opportunity like to, uh, to play in the NFL or even get a great job, leave what you was doing alone because it's okay to leave your past. But I didn't know how to turn it loose because I was supporting a lot of people uh, because I was the guy that had to connect. And so I stopped. I stopped getting money.
0: All right, so let's talk about. uh, We're going to talk about some people definitely pick up the book. It's available on Amazon. The audio book's coming, everything's coming. There you go. From the playing field to the feds, but you have a new announcement. We got merch,
4: right? We got a merchandise store now. Yeah, man. Um, it's not hit the market yet, it's still in progress. But uh, I got shirts, uh, sweatshirts coming out, uh, with the book cover and different different uh slogans and things like that. And it's gonna be called From the Playing Fields to the Feds because the field could be anything, it could be the field, your field could be, um. Uh, been a doctor, your field could be a lawyer, your field could be a teacher, and something derails you along the way that may, end, may, may make you end up in the feds. So it's just not about a football field. It could be your field. Uh, it could be a soccer guy. It could be a lawyer. It could be a doctor. It could be a teacher. It could be a radio personnel. It could be an a actor. Whatever field you're in, you could get derailed.
0: Yeah, because it's very easy to make the wrong decisions at times, right? Especially when you're it, caught up at
4: work. It takes 30 seconds to make, to make the worst mistake you ever made in your life. 30 seconds. If you just take 30 seconds out of your time before you make a decision, you might... Totally,
0: totally. All right. Best place people can go is to Amazon, right? Do you have a website yeah. too, James?
4: Yeah. Um, my website is... Um, Amazon, you well, know, my website is uh, from the plan fields to the feds. You can find my book at Amazon online, or you can find it at Barnes and Noble online. I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy the book all the way to the end, and it's going to leave you wanting more, more, more. And that's why I'm giving you the movie or the series you want to make it out of.
0: Oh, we're ready. Okay. Thanks again, James. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment.